Hi, I'm Matt. Hi, I'm Annie AK. And I'm Melissa. And together we want to welcome you to Still Great Bob. If this is your first time joining us, together we are watching AMC's Mad Men, trying to answer the question, is it still great, Bob? This week, we're discussing Season 2, Episode 8, A Night to Remember, written by Robin Veith and Matthew Weiner, and directed by Leslie Linka Glatter. This episode originally aired on September 14th, 2008. The top four movies were all new this weekend in the past. (laughs) Uh, The Coen Brothers' Burn After Reading opened at number one. Tyler Perry's The Family That Prays was number two. Number three at the box office was Righteous Kill, a De Niro Pacino film probably trying to recapture that heat magic. Um, I've never seen it. Is this the one that also had 50 Cent? <laughs> that was a honest question that I put in the notes because I didn't remember but didn't want to look it up. So this email is an us and let us know. Be- that I left in the statement because I have no idea and I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> uh, this feels like something we should all investigate very closely. <laughs> so, listener, if you have seen the film Righteous Kill, email us at stillgreatbob at gmail dot com. And the fourth new movie that week was also fourth at the box office, and that is The Women, written and directed by Day and English of Murphy Brown fame, remaking the 1939 movie of the same name. Uh, I loved that movie in high school. Loved it. Had it on DVD, watched all the time. Um, Number one on the digital charts uh, that year, I mean that week, uh, was T.I.'s Whatever You Like, which you can't have whatever (laughs) you like if you're around T.I. because he is misogynist. The end. Yeah, let's let's not. I think this is the last week it's at number one. Spoilers. Hopefully we have a new song next week. It's fun when we have a new song. I, I dread to see what's coming up. All right. In this episode. All right. I actually have two summaries, but and neither of them. Well, this one I can't say is my best work, but Peggy isn't so sure why she's being asked to do so much free work when no one seems to really want it. Joan gets a promotion, but not really, and Betty has had enough of John's bullshit. Haven't we all? Haven't we all? (laughs) Alternate summary, men suck. Yeah! (laughs) Move on. (laughs) But it's not even in, like, a funny way. It's in, like, a oh, no kind of way. Yeah, it's it's bad all around this week. It's kind of hard when it's, like, a hopeless kind of sad Especially right now. (laughs) Everything is so hopeless sad right now. (laughs) We're all fine. (laughs) It's fine. I got 50 cents off a gallon. It's fine. fine. I have a lot of discounts right now as a nurse. It's actually quite quite nice. So I guess just before we dive into the, the main discussion with Joan, Peggy, and Betty being our focus, just a quick... I guess a couple sentences from you both on on what you you thought of the episode. Did you like it? I know the last the last two were on a, like an up curve after the drop from you know how high we were on the fifth episode, the new girl. But uh, where are you both at right now with Mad Men after the last episode? I don't know if I've used this as a, a, a judgment like parameter before, but I had a hard time not just watching the next episode. I thought like for five seconds, oh, what if I just watch like 15 minutes of it just to like see what they're going to do next after this? Or, and then I was like, what if I just watch the whole thing? Do, do we think I will be able to like <laughs> bake it on the podcast? <laughs> I didn't yeah. watch it because um, I don't think I would be good at faking it. So... <laughs> 
No, I don't see that world existing where that happens. No. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good way of trying to gauge your reaction to something because it is, I am with you. I think it was, it was largely positive on it. It was very intriguing. I need to know what happens next because while it could seem like a very dire episode where everything is terrible and these women are trapped and I hate all the men, just anyone with a penis just, just please needs to stop. Um... There was, I felt like for at least one of them, there was a turning point that this isn't going to be how it always is. It's not going to be just rolling over and letting thing happen, even though it hurts her, just to maintain some perfect image that was drilled into her head from, you know, childhood that needed to be maintained. So it's, it kind of like makes me want to believe it's going to happen for the other two as well. I think that we get instances of all three women, uh, not every, obviously, like, Joan isn't making the same, like, if we're going to call it, like, progress, I guess. Like, Joan isn't doing the same things in this episode that, say, like, Betty is doing, but this is actually the first time we've ever seen, like, any introspection from Joan that leads me to believe, like, oh, she might be wanting to make some changes like we've seen Betty kind of like start and stop with this um and I just think that she's a little farther along on this journey than Joan is and now I mm. am really thinking about Westworld <laughs> <laughs> well I mean we may as well talk about Joan anyways yeah I yeah. almost didn't so when I started writing out my notes and normally I like a little pre-write my category so I can just jump around and drop things in normally I have like Betty and uh, Dawn at, at the top, sometimes together, sometimes apart, but just kind of like for some reason I immediately, not even remembering what this episode was, just said Betty, Peggy. And even then I still kind of forgot about Joan. Um, it kind of sneaks up on you, the fact that this store, that one of the, the main storylines is hers, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Snuck it in there with Harry's thing. But how, I mean, for you, this is also for you too, Matt, but especially for you, Melissa, just because you are new to the show, compared to how you feel about Joan at the beginning, what do you think of her now in this episode? I love her in this episode, and I only want nice things for her. <laughs> um, I was really surprised I think by like how emotionally connected I felt to Joan in this episode but this is Joan experiencing things that I have experienced and uh having thoughts and feelings that like I have had so there's a an easier like emotional in with me and Joan in this episode just specifically um but also because like we so rarely get to see any of her like internal life and the, you know, we saw her with her friend and, you know, we talked about, like, if she maybe did or didn't, like, handle that situation well. But even that was, like, not – that wasn't as much, like, Joan's interior life as it was, like, Joan trying to say, like, hey, to her friend, like, we can't go down this road. Like, this isn't, uh like, proper maybe. Like, you know, that was still Joan doing, like, kind of – I don't want to say like a performance, but still just like doing like her Joan thing. And I think this is the first time we've ever seen her like Joan thing be something that feels more uh, genuine to me. Mm -hmm. 
I was just going to say, Matt, how do you feel about like the pro the progress that Jode has made from when we first see her in the first episode? What do you, do you remember when you first saw the show forever ago? Mm-hmm. Um, did you expect her to be one of the people taking this kind of journey? I don't know. That's that's a tough question. Thinking back into my 2008-2009 proto-brain that I, I had at the time, the uh, elevated frat boy, as, as I like to not so fondly refer back to. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about kind of that that perspective, but I will say that this is kind of the show treating Joan what I what I remember and what I kind of have been waiting for a bit as as we kind of make our journey back, you know, uh, back returning to someone madman for some of us or in the in the other cases kind of seeing it for the first time. Um in my show notes, I have basically in all capital letters, Christina fucking Hendricks gonna get an amen. <laughs> I've amen. also been watching. There we go. Um, I've also been watching a lot of Drag Race over the last two months and catching up, but I've never seen it. So the the RuPaul Drag Race isms have now entered my lexicon. I've probably <laughs> toned down on it a bit because I'm overdoing it, and making up for lost time. But anyways, um, I just think Hendricks is like so good at these little glimpses into Joan's interior life. And, and just to build off of what Melissa was saying, the show hasn't really shown us that before. And when it's shown us Joan out of the office, it's been Joan still in, in work mode in, in that kind of like, I'm managing my, my public image. And I still think she's doing that throughout the episode, maybe less so with, with her fiance, Greg when she's excited about you know reading the scripts and stuff and not to maybe jump ahead too much but in that scene where she finds out that Harry and Roger hired someone else there's like this one second like tilt of her head in the face that Hendrix does where it's like you can tell Joan is shattered but she readjusts Mm -hmm. so quickly and the show is being professional as fuck yeah, exactly. And the show is now letting us not only see Christina Hendricks' range as an actor, but also, you know, giving us this insight into into Joan in a way that I've kind of been been waiting for and wondering, not remembering when it showed up again. Because then mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about how, well, at least I have, um, our readings of Joan and kind of being trapped in that kind of, you know, Venus role that's defined for her and my whole kind of Cersei Lannister comparison before about how to use the structures and the boxes people put you in to obtain power, but that only normally having a ceiling, right? And I think we're seeing that, or at least starting to see how that really kind of impacts and and chips away at, you know, and kind of probably eats away. And and Joan does have her own ambitions. I don't think she's content being you know, the office manager and head of the secretarial pool. And I mean, she was resentful of, or seemed resentful of Peggy's promotion and getting out of that. But I don't think it was just jealousy. I I, I definitely think now it was, yes, jealousy, but it was coming from some other interior longing. Yeah, I always saw that kind of resentment, not just of, of jealousy, but like the fact that Peggy was upsetting the accepted norms, you know? 
that yeah. the the worldview if, if i can be happy in this box that i've created if this if we all accept that this is the box that we live in but if you're just telling me there's more to it than what then you know i mean you tell anyone you tell people that the world is round several hundred years ago you tell some people that the world is around now and they get real upset with you <laughs> it's the same kind of thing um and it just seemed like i don't think she even let herself have these kind of ambitions before or right let her acknowledge that they're they're real because otherwise you start you know stretching out towards them and you just get disappointed that's pretty much just how it's going to be and she finally let herself have them and what happens she got crushed it's exactly what she could have uh, predicted happening that doesn't make it hurt any less and like you said Matt she Christina Hendricks did it so beautifully and your heart just broke and what she was doing, you can't even, like, define because it was so subtle but so present. It was beautifully done, and it hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. It, like, uh, listening to people talk about, uh, make comments about her looks throughout the whole entire episode, yeah. and then mm-hmm. the last shot with her being her, like, uh, you know, taking off her costume at night and then seeing, like, the, like, painful, like, indents from her, like, bra straps on her shoulder, like, I hate it. Like, mm. you're, I just hate it. I don't exactly know how to put it into, like, fully coherent feelings, which is how I feel about a lot of this episode, because all of these experiences are so, uh, like, visceral to me, that it's, mm-hmm, like, hard mm-hmm. to, like, even describe my feelings without just evolving into, like, Ugh! Alexis Rose noises, like, <laughs> um, but it's just, well, like, go ahead, sorry, no, it's, like, she just is saying, like, she's, like, looking at her, like, shoulder, and she's, like, I'm sure feeling the pain and being, like, look what I put up with for these looks, which is what everybody wants to comment on and praise. And then when it like comes time for me to do like something else, I'm just, you know, she, that just gets ignored. And then she's just, you know, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Cause she does it. So she, you look at her, you don't, it, she looks so effortless in the way she carries herself, the way that she performs in the office and all of it. It takes you know, a lot of people can do a thing, do it well, but like then to make it look effortless, to make it look like this comes naturally to you, to not, to hide the effort is, um, it can be a really painful thing. And I think she's always found pride in that before because, you know, you've got these new girls coming in going, oh, this job is so easy. And then they, you know, Don fires them after a month. But, you know, she was so happy in that meeting. Yeah, it just felt like, she, you know, it felt like she was she was finally going to be able to convert this praise for her looks to something tangible that was bringing her, like, more pride and less pain. And then that didn't pan out in what she left with. This yeah. thing that's obviously not making her happy anymore, which is praise for her looks. And also, it's physically painful to, like, keep that up. And you can see from the marks on her body. Yeah. And then we've had in the past that they've made fun of her because she's all of, like, 33 years old. You know, keeping it tight gets a little harder the older you get. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, this isn't like fully connected, but I read like this tweet about how <laughs> the economy hasn't actually stopped. People are just homemaking, but y'all don't consider homemaking part of the economy because it's normally women's unpaid labor. And mm. I read that tweet in Can between- Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. I read that tweet. Actually, I reposted that on my Facebook, which is usually a dangerous game. And then a bunch of people were like liking it and reacting to it in positive ways. And it was people that I was like, holy shit, this could be the first time you've ever read that concept. And now I feel no regret or worry about sharing this status. Like, I hope that you have internalized this and are thinking about it from now until forever. That's a whole other thing. But anyway, um, I read that thought. Between my viewings of this, like, I, I always watch the show twice. I watch it once to watch it, and then I watch it for notes and stuff. Um, in between the two viewings, I read this tweet, so I was thinking about uh, women's unpaid labor, emotional and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched the episode the second time, and I made the connection of Roger saying, we don't have money for this person. Figure out how to do the job yourself. And then Roger thinking to himself, oh, do you know who I can have do extra work for free? The women! Oh, he just sends her and you just need a girl to help you with your workload. And then when it becomes a paid position, they're like, Joan Hill. (laughs) She's got other things. Her attentions are split, guys. And it's just like. It's it's gutting conceptually, but even like in the context of the episode, because there's that scene where they're in the, the meeting and. Harry and and Joan and like but especially Joan in that meeting like she saves it and it is like totally like I don't know if this is like a technical term but it's something I heard once that I, I I've internalized um <clears throat> what's it, competency porn right mm. when you see someone like really good at, at something or like a team of doing really something and it's just you love to like, see it <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. and like my one of my favorite examples of like a movie that is like totally like mostly all competence porn is broadcast news and just like holly hunter's whole deal in that movie but like it was just hitting all those same buttons and knocked it out of the park and then it cuts to when they hire that dude and that that the eye acting and the fate like just hendrix in that that scene that we talked about earlier it's mm-hmm. just like it's good in that it's 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 well acted and mm-hmm. and it's 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 truthful and it's real so like it is good art in that way but at the same time it's just so devastating because it's so real mm-hmm. all right well i mean if we're talking competency porn doesn't don friggin' do that like every other episode but when he does it when he knocks it out of the park and brings home the campaign everything has to stop we do the slow zoom in on his face everyone looks at him in awe and Joan just kind of almost just drops it in here almost casually like almost like she's like this is also your idea and I don't need to tell you how important this is and it's like you know the way you almost see like a 1950s housewife kind of gently coercing her co- her husband into you know doing whatever she wanted making think it was his idea it was just so easy the way she did it and slipped it in there like like it was anything you almost didn't think that she was going to jump in um, and I, I love the compa- the contrast between those two approaches because with Don, it has to be production. Everyone has to know that it's happening. Genius is happening. Joan, it's just like, here I am doing a thing. Yeah. What did we think of her fiance? 
Just a gentleman. You know, he was really cute, and then he opened his mouth. <laughs> he was so nice to look at. Then the talking. Um, yeah. he was in Gossip Girl. Oh really? <laughs> he was oh, so. Oh, I wrote it down. Because he's just—he just kept telling her, "Oh, you don't need to be doing that job. You don't need to be reading. You should be, you should be watching, watching these shows. shows. Uh, you should um, be shutting the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> he tells her, "Oh, why are you reading when you should be looking for a house?" And blah blah blah. And she's just like, "Cause you told me to stop." And he's like, "Oh yeah, well, cause I need to finish my training first, and you know, you should be eating bonbons." And she was looking like incredible laid out oh there my on her God, sofa her loungewear oh. i mean my quarantine looks are absolute <laughs> gutter trash compared to the jones sweater, lounge attire <laughs> cigarette pants the hair tied up in oh, the it's so oh my good. god the smoke oh my god oh my god i could have watched a whole hour of that um when he said you should be eating bonbons satisfying your cravings is he trying to tell me that she should be at home cooking a baby <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe she needs the. He, she, he's suggesting the bonbons because, like, other cravings. Because he being wants her to be no. at home having a pregnancy no. craving. Maybe. Like that's how I yeah. took it. But I laughed extremely hard about your what? What cravings doesn't he satisfy? Yeah, <laughs> you're wanting some. Some you're watching wanting something. No, but that reminded me of a. Did have you guys both? You guys seen Done with Love? You both haven't seen Done with Love. I have seen it, but it was so long ago. Uh, it doesn't count. I have not. I should have just said no. All right, there is a whole thing with chocolate and cravings. It made me think of, and we still need to watch that movie, guys. And we should. So I will be, and it's even looking at like this show to this point. Um, and I guess maybe we can use this as a transition point to Peggy. The show's been really good about giving us insights and i mean we've seen joan before and it's been in relationship either to people in a sexual relationship with her or people who want to be in a sexual relationship with her right when we first see her at the office it's with roger and even the stuff with carol and stuff like that so there's definitely still a partner involved in in joan's out of work life now with with her fiance but as we've talked about this is our first insight into Joan's interior life and I'm curious to see how and if they continue to build on that or if it's like something we see a little glimpse into like how we see a little bit of Harry or a little bit of Sal or a little bit of Ken like in that kind of still main but like less insular Don Peggy or Pete adjacent cast so let's see how quickly they kind of check in with Joan again or if they're not going to do it this season or whatever. So I'm curious to, to relearn how that develops. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm hopeful for the future considering at the beginning, it didn't seem like we were getting get much from Joan. It's exciting. It is exciting. Um, yeah, she, her fiance can go away. Like, that'd be oh, fine. but he's, but he's going to be a doctor, honey. Well, he ain't one yet. <laughs> that was that was I was gonna ask you. I guess both of you, but I guess more specifically Annie. So, are we supposed to think like is he doing his residency now? And he's talking about getting his like getting like a placement after his residency, like getting a job somewhere, or is he still working on his MD and he's talking about getting a residency seat? What was uh, your understanding? I understood him as a resident. If he was okay. um, a student, he'd be a lot younger, quite yeah. a bit younger. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, cool. um, thank you. I don't know if we ever talked about what kind of doctor he was, though. 
So, I mean, he could be done soon. Well, I don't know if it was that it's standardized TV. back then. He's probably a fucking surgeon. That's the only doctors that they let on TV that are like also <laughs> D-bags. Hello, Lost. Anyways, moving yeah. on. Yeah. I don't know if it's even that like standardized back then or when all that started happening. Because like depending on the specialty, it depends how long it goes on. And yeah. different hospitals or whatever training programs probably had their own expectations or it's probably just like you're gonna be you're gonna be here until i say that you're good enough to be out there on your own there's surgeons on gray's anatomy too right they're literally they're pretty much all, all surgeons, surgeons. <laughs> yeah so the best thing that ever happened to me was Peggy answering her phone and saying Peggy Olson's <laughs> office? And then he's like, Oh, can I talk to Peggy? Like, for some reason, I thought that that was a normal way for her to answer her own phone and that I she did the wasn't same thing. going to pretend to be a different person when she came no, back. No, my, my read of that was he, like, because Father Gellith assumes she has a secretary. So he doesn't recognize her voice at first. When he's like, oh, I'd like to speak. She answers her phone. Like, and hello. she answers it the way she answered it when she was Don's secretary. Yeah. So Father Gellith's like, oh, can I talk to Peggy Olsen, please? Like, not realizing it's her. And then not wanting to lose face or whatever. That's when she does the bit. Um, I f- have to disagree because I personally believe that she does this. <laughs> <laughs> She has an alter ego working for herself as her secretary. <laughs> All right, another woman who does get us a great pod with hashtag Matt or hashtag Melissa to prove who's right. No, just kidding. But yeah, tweet at us. That's fine. Because like Roger literally just got done t- her- telling Harry like figure out how to do your job yourself, and we cut to Peggy like Peggy needed a secretary, and she said, "Oh, self." <laughs> we'll do this <laughs> just there another we go. woman not getting paid yeah just extra jobs well I think John actually did make a uh, comment earlier on to what she was talking to Harry about how like the women were the secretaries were pretty thin at the moment mm-hmm. yeah it was still great I didn't even really notice it was happening until I heard how like formal uh, Father Gill sounded and he's like oh I would like to and I was like, that's so weird. Why is he? Uh, okay. I mean, I it happened. went so far for me to like assume that she was like flustered by his call, which that doesn't make really that much sense either. So when she like pulled the phone down to like think, I was like, what are you doing? Like having a pep talk? It's the fucking pastor. Like, who cares? And then she was like, hi, it's Peggy. And I was like, you. <laughs> I don't know if I would ha- be have like the, the forethought to be like, oh, this is what's happening. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'd just be like, nah, it's me. Hi. This is why I'm being dumb. This is why I think that this is a thing that she does. Like, she was ready. She had it <laughs> locked and loaded. <laughs> I'll be watching for that now. So I think yeah. either work, but you're probably right. Because no. <laughs> I only watched the episode once. And you I think it twice. that, of course, it could go either way. I just, like, really enjoy this headcanon. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And I will never yuck someone's yum when it comes to headcanon. <laughs> This is so innocuous, too. So Peggy was at her sister's, Anita, uh, just dropping some things off and going to say hi to her sister and her family and everything. And Father Gill came in. And while uh, Anita was talking to her husband, that's when Father Gill asks for her help for some youth event. 
get some publicity and that's that's why he was calling her on the phone um seeing what we saw in the past between the two of them do how do you guys feel about the father gill peggy hot priest not hot priest dynamic (laughs) more like folk priest am i right um when i tell you i laughed so hard when he started playing that guitar (laughs) it was unbelievable but first wonderwall um i had like a weird flashback to the da vinci code and uh, his dad colin hank's dad (laughs) i was like is that what's gonna happen is this gonna be opus day or something because i don't want to watch that but anyways (laughs) continue i How do I feel about it? Like, so I think ultimately, and maybe we can unpack this more once we get to talk about Betty and her relationship, but for all our, our, our hot, hot priest flea bag jokes kind of throughout this season, um, Melissa asked the question and kind of started kicked it all off and Father Gill was first introduced if this was like a hot pre-situation. And I think in a lot of ways it kind of actually is. Or there's there's similarities more so than I I think I realized kind of at first, right? Because Father Gill's a younger priest, he's new to the parish. And like I my probably self-projected self self-influenced my my Mary Sue read of it is that like I don't know what Father Gill actually wants it to be and I think that's what kind of the the guitar reveal at the end of the episode with him potentially supposed to indicate towards is that that he has this other kind of interior life and and passions and drives that we're that we're not seeing. I think he definitely views Peggy as a a project in the way that um pastors, priests, lay people in in the the church definitely pick people as as projects that they want to be helpful for and you know support in whatever ways they're able to based on their kind of you know own ideological and and framework and belief system and i think that that's probably 66 percent of what gill's doing with peggy but i do wonder about that other 33 percent what about Mm. you melissa i really wish that religious figures of all types would just there's enough people in the world that want your religious guidance that you can Mm -hmm. just let them come to you like i really don't like this oh i'm father gill so that means i have every right to pry into your personal life when you're obviously very uncomfortable with this line of questioning and Mm -hmm. because i'm doing it in the name of god um i am allowed to just say fuck it to all social decorum Like, I just really don't like this, especially because even if you are a priest, like, I do not know you like that, sir. And if I want to come for like a Jesus therapy session or if I want to do confession, there are avenues for that. And it's not in my office. Mm -hmm. That was the part that really got to me. The door was open. Was the door open? 
I was I'm remembering it was open and he's just sitting there at her desk where people do come in and out of the copier machine is right there the office copier machine and he just asks these incredibly personal questions and not even half of its questions half of it's just like so like there is no sin too great to go to God with. Yeah. It's totally fine I if you will have something to shameful to admit. I can be the one there for you. God already knows whatever your secret is. And I was like, I hate everything about this right now and don't like you anymore. Yeah, it's just really... It's like really uh, overstepping boundaries in a way that I think happens in like with like a lot of... Uh, like religious figure characters like this and it's mm-hmm. it's just so deeply uncomfortable like don't ask somebody why they don't take communion like that's between like them and god and i will let you know if i feel like you and god are the same person <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's literally what confession is for that yeah. is a time where you're like this is the open invi- the open vin- invitation is already there and i appreciate that they I mean, are portraying his ways like this is well intentioned, but also this is not cool. And like, is it well intentioned? Because I mm, don't be an ego think thing that I part. trust priests. We'll it might be an ego thing. Time. <laughs> it could also just be an ego thing on his part, or his like fascination to her. Anyways, yeah, I know. I any, I, th- I, I think you're. I think you're. Right. I think you're onto something, and I think. I mean, and I don't know if it, like, is a romantic thing or not. Probably not. But I do think Gil is intrigued by Peggy, and it's this kind of... And I think you see it a lot in, quote-unquote, nice guys, Mm. right? That idea of, like... Uh, and like, and I think it's probably intensified by his his chosen vocation, uh, or his called vocation. I'm sure. He, anyways, that that's a whole other thing too. But by his by his job and him being a priest, where it's like, I think platonically, romantically, or or not, but definitely platonically, he's intrigued by Peggy and like fascinated by her, and he's has an interest in her, and he now has inf- He's had information for a couple episodes now about you know her <clears throat> her um scarlet letter let let let's call it right about her mm-hmm. her her mortal sin that she's processing for so far like with the the pregnancy and giving the child away for for adoption and things like that don't you and when i say like about your baby don't yeah, you it's actually now I'm, I'm mad at him again now because you reminded me that he already knows and he's trying to like convince her to reveal a secret like oh i don't know if you have anything to reveal but you should totally tell me if you do and he knows well he's he already, lying she already knows about he knows because he gave her the egg right said for the little one or like implied it like it's coded right but, yeah, like, but still, like the way he's still saying it, just like you know like he like they're not talking about that yeah and, and it's where it's like that nice guy thing where we've talked about how Sometimes on Mad Men, we see the men weaponizing their emotional vulnerability. And when I say it's the nice guy thing, what I mean by that is it's it's the same pattern that we talked about, about weaponizing their vulnerability, but it's about them making them look better by kind of like 
not showing that that contriteness, but like showing that they're they're okay with your brokenness. Where it's like with, with him saying, "Oh, God's gonna forgive you. God forgives everything." I mean, yes, like he's speaking his his theology, he's speaking his belief system, but he's actually talking about himself a little bit, right? Mm. Where it's like, Peggy, I know you've done this, and it's okay if you're repentant. I still see value in you because I'm the nice guy. These other guys, they're bad. But me, I'm good because I don't care. Boy, nobody right? asked you. Exactly. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> okay. I've worn that bit out, but we'll move to something else. We'll move to, to something. But yeah. Yeah. And then on top of it, he... he... So how sincere do you think is his, his request for help on publicizing this thing? <laughs> it's sincere in that it's deliberate in a way to spend time with Peggy as part of the lowercase m mission project that he has deemed Peggy on. Yeah, they need a poster. They could just slap something, that committee could slap something together and, and be happy with it. But it's, it's not, it's not a real work. I think it's less genuine than him earlier asking for notes on his sermon. I think that was a genuine relational moment. This is forced. This is planned. This has ulterior motive. I can't say I'm, I can't say I'm, I'm fond of it. No. And then the interesting, so like, so then she does the, like, I mean, arguably very good work um, and has the, the wherewithal to know that you advertise to the teenage girls and then in the confines of 1961 so, um, society, then that'll get the boys come. Probably, you know, similar, you know, for, for most straight straight youth in, in high school today. But again, the assumption in 1961 is everyone's straight. Um, but he doesn't actually, he's not, Father Gill isn't interested in the work that Peggy has done, in my opinion. And she's like, oh, well, you, you talked me into it. You're so good. It's, it's, again, that ingratiating himself to her to lower her her defenses or her weakness. He knows the committee won't like it. He knows that they're, you know, a couple of generations on and, you know, aren't willing for, to listen to, to Peggy in a new approach. And then he doesn't back her up at all. And that for me is something I want to ask you both about is, do we think Peggy's expectations about how Gil, who's the client a little bit commissioned her for this work does says he believes in the the concept and then doesn't back her up with the uh the other church ladies and the one other gentleman on the committee um do we think that's a result of the path peggy's been on since episode five or what did you both think about that i kind of and i don't know how far this is going to track but i kind of had the thought that like Peggy was trying to, like, make Gil be, like, a Dawn character. She's like, this is your job to Mm -hmm. sell this to the clients because I'm right and they're stupid, basically. But that's kind of, like, Dawn's role in the company, which is to convince the clients that the work that the advertising team has done is the correct way to go with their brand. And... Mm. I 
like, I don't know for sure if this works, but it just kind of felt that way a little bit to me. Like, she has that, like, comfort level working with Don. He's been, like, kind of a mentor to her. We've talked about that at length. Um, but then when she goes into this, like, other situation and Gil doesn't uh, act that same way, she's like, what are you doing? Don't you know your role in this, like, interaction? It's like, no, he won it because he doesn't work at an advertising firm and this was all a ruse to get you to come back to Jesus. Yep. Yeah. But um, also, it's kind of... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, real quickly, it's thrilling for Peggy to be like, um, excuse me, you need to be on my side, sir. And he it was is. like, eep, okay. It is. Um, I thought it was just interesting thinking about Joan and how she just st- stood there and suffered quietly as her job was taken for her and given to someone else and actually with money. Um, and Peggy does manage to stand up for herself in this moment to the literal patriarch um, when in order to defend herself, which I mean, I suppose you can't really just stand up and yell at a bunch of older church ladies. Uh, and oh, on but a, God, you want to sometimes, don't you? Mm, most of the time, ha- yeah. They haven't changed in like 60 years. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. Maybe even Now Matt's airing his grievances. Go on. But, uh, but then she still apologizes to him for it she tells her she tells him i'm sorry i don't mean to be disrespectful i'm tired she gives an excuse for why she spoke up even though she means all of it and she's not that sorry i don't think she's sorry at all uh and then later when we talk about betty she's on a whole other level than those other two so i thought it was a really interesting comparison yeah you can see the levels of like um I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Maybe like awareness between the three women. They're Mm -hmm. all three on this path to hopefully um, like standing up for themselves and taking up space. But you can see the different stages of that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-possession. And we've talked about before about how like Joan is, is she's, you know, she's older than both the other two women. She's a little more entrenched in like the, like the quote unquote traditional ideas of a woman's place. And Peggy is shiny and new, but she was, you know, she still kind of like tries to be one of the boys and everything once in a while. And, um, and Betty is one who is, who's really also like, I think more like Joan in that this is what she grew up to be and she really bought into it. But at the same time, she's the one who seems to have fought against it even more in this moment. So if, if you'll indulge me, I'll start this section by the Betty section by reading another note that I had written down. Also that I had into the Joan section in my notes. Um, January fucking Jones. <laughs> yes. yes. And I'm not just we talking about her Instagram. Her enough. I love uh, one of the good things out of social media in the past, like, 10 years has been how unbelievably what a complete weirdo January Jones is, and I love her for it. It's 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 totally that, like, little Edie from, like, Great Gardens energy, and it gives me life. It's great. It um, is. Uh, we open to that really great, intense shot of um, of her writing. And it's not like the pretty like dressage and jumping kind of thing we've seen from her in the past or she's going through the past. She's still got her bright, you know, ginormous pearl earrings on. But afterwards, we see her like bonding with her horse. She's got, her shirt is just soaked with with sweat. She's her face is like slack with exhaustion. And she's just like she worked herself ragged. And later on, we see her. <laughs> um 
uh, not dealing with a wobbly chair in the most practical of ways, uh, where she smashed it to bits. So I think it's safe to say that she is um, uh, emotionally uh, at a high level right now. Yeah, she's so worked up. She's willing to like work hard enough on this horse that she doesn't look perfect, which I found like very shocking. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, girl, you are sweating in public. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> she does not care. All she cares about is her and that horse. Which, like, uh, good on you. Mm-hmm. It was a really actually, like, kind of nice moment, even though mm-hmm. she is looking less than pristine. Um, um, I mean, one, she still sh- looks great. Well, and she threw up on the way home from a party last night, so you know she was just... <laughs> she's rocking a horrifying hangover she's out here like if i just go to the gym i'll just feel better <laughs> mm-hmm. well like the only one offering her anything like a remote of com- comfort is this horse who can't talk to her mm-hmm. just stand there with her um i thought that was a, a really great moment and then um so she's also getting ready for a dinner party that don is holding with roger there and duck and um mona and crab colson crab i duck crab and petra colson i think we might have seen them at the country club earlier i don't recall. yeah i have questions about these nicknames but also i don't know if i want the answers yeah and she's working so hard to make this thing perfect and it's not for her it's for her husband her philandering husband and he can't even bother to get out of bed and change a damn plug like he said he would. This just... There's, like, I don't know how to describe this feeling of, like, Don, you absolute fool, because you have no idea, like, how... how short, like, how soon the timer is going to go off on your shenanigans. (laughs) And, like, you are still just laying about... Is it still Saturday? Ooh, it sounds like you could change the plug. Yeah, I probably He's could change the plug, so but cute. I told your dumbass to do it. So do it. He's trying to be so cute and flirt his way out of a thing and teaser. Read a room, Don. She's You're like, good I'm at that. You. I'm gonna kill you. How is he so good at reading a room, but he can't understand what his wife is like actually trying to tell? Because he doesn't him. care. True. That's fair. That's fair. And we don't like him. No, not really. No. Um, it looked great, though. She looked amazing. Honestly, that might be my favorite Betty dress we've seen. The polka dots? Yeah. The polka dots, the neckline especially with the little straps and the curve and the little rouging around the top. And then when she was still wearing the, the blue apron. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, and what's, what's I think... One of my favorite things about that dress, and I know we occasionally pop in and talk about the costuming, but like, I'm wondering if it's it's suggesting Betty's path in a way, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's still it's still very much that that fifties a line like you know silhouette and like a dress we would expect Betty to wear. But the print with that polka dot red to me is like not we're not quite into super mod styles it's still early 60s right Mm -hmm. but like a little bit more modern it's still it's still betty but it's not quite you know the like full-on regalia it's a little bit more fun and relaxed while still being kind of that that shape and maybe a little bit more modern 
At least yeah. that's how it read to me. So interesting. I do think of the 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 because like you expect more of the the regular patterns and lines and everything, but this this was like different shapes and sizes and colors yeah. and more randomly placed. That is interesting. I suppose that does make me think more of like the the sixties of the um the more like mid-century modern futuristic kind of thing where they're all thinking about space and the Jetsons and looking towards the future and how different everything is going to be. Something to think about. Yeah. Uh, we actually get to hear some words from Carla today, the, the nanny housemaid person. Um, you don't see much of her, but uh, Don does just keep he at the beginning he does say like carla will be there to help you don't worry about it it's like this is all she does being a housewife that's the thing that she was good at that's the thing she was trained for this is the thing she does well this is what she has control of her life stop trying to take it away from her dude um but i really liked uh at the end when we see the two of them in the kitchen at the end the the party how the the kind of camaraderie that betty and and carla seem to have for each other like oh i'll i'll put the dishes in the in the in the washer at least so that the jam doesn't get all stuck on there yeah i did or kind of roll my bed. i kind of rolled my eyes when betty was like oh just leave that we'll do it in the morning and it's like you have a fundamental misunderstanding of how dishes work if you think that this is going to be better in the morning <laughs> like no i mean carla's probably just kind of doing it so her job wouldn't be much harder in the next day but yeah like, carla's she's... like no listen you gotta get these at least soaking <laughs> or like we're gonna have a big problem <laughs> like i don't want to yeah. they had so many plates it was a it's seven so person plates. meal for christ's sake <laughs> <laughs> but she's also like get some rest it was a long day and betty's like it was a long day for both of us so yeah we had um... a we had a long day it is it is really nice but i did laugh at betty being like <laughs> crusty dishes are better than dishes right now and it's like it's never true yeah. It's not true that first time you did it in college, and it's not true when I did it on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I do think she kind of just also didn't care because she needed her moment to yell at Dawn, though. She's like, I need you to get out of my house because I do not want you to see this. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, at the beginning when she's, like, telling Dawn what to do, and she's like, all you have to do is, like, here are these three steps. You're like, oh, you are, like, a very capable housewife. Like, this whole house is running because of you. Even though Don's probably like the handyman around the house or whatever. And I wonder if under other circumstances, if she wouldn't have just changed that fuse herself. But yeah. the fact that like she is she's doing a thing, she is working up to something with this that she's like, we'll just see if he can just do this list because I'm going to go ahead and just get angry about as many things as I possibly can in the next uh, 24 hours or so because... I'm be ready for this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Or is he just going to be all done about it and try to get out of it? Right. Ugh, done. Done. But uh, so the dinner party itself actually goes perfectly. It goes really, really well. The kids do their little dance. Allie's adorable in her tutu. They say goodnight um, before they go off to bed like they're the Von Trapps. All very cute. Sally's little ballet, adorable. She's always actually pretty good. I sometimes always, I shouldn't say sometimes and always, but 
Sometimes with the little cute Sally scenes, I think about the fact that her mom calls her fat. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Why, though? Like, this is terrible. Um, yeah. I mean, when at the very end, when she was sleeping in her bed, all I could see were these cute little baby cheeks. I know. It's so cute. And I was like, what good baby? She didn't even wake up when somebody fully got into her whole bed. It's just so sad that she has to turn, again, turn to a kid for comfort. Mm-hmm. At least this time it's her own child. And <laughs> there is something, I think, to be said about, like, um, when there's divisions within the family, it is mm-hmm. girls against boys. <laughs> it is. It is. Which, I, so, sorry to this man, and by that I mean my dad, because I have a mom and a sister. <laughs> he has no one. <laughs> but no, I, I think you're exactly right, Melissa. Like, even in the context of the show, when we see, when we've seen Don have these, typically I think a lot of the, the flashback episodes, where it's like, he talks to Robert Draper, a.k.a. Bobby, that Bobby, his his son's like, ask me anything. I'll tell you anything. Like like when Don's, we've seen Don in crisis or nearing crisis about his paths and his identity. It's 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 Bobby he goes to, and it's Sally. In the end of that one episode when he's shaving, she just wants to watch him. That's that's the one that undoes him. Is that was that a maiden form maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. That's what undoes him. Whereas like I think you're right in life and right in the context of the show. Well, because we've seen also like the the affection affection might be the wrong word, but the the connection Betty has to her own mother and how like the loss of her mother, who probably had a very similar relationship that Betty has to her and Sally, um, and how that has stuck with her the most, the same way Don and his relationship with his father was. Ugh. complicated. But the they were so cute, little Sally. Um, the the dinner itself, hell impressive, guys. It's food from where? From Germany, from Japan, from all sorts of places. Uh, like Italy. Um, for like one hot second, I thought that Don and Betty were in on the Heineken thing together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I bet she loves that. And then I was like, oh, oh, oh. she oh. would have loved that. And it's like you would have gotten the same. Res- like, why not tell her, Don? I've been trying to tell you because Don can definitely listen to this podcast and change his <laughs> behaviors coming forward in the next episode. But like, I have tried to tell you, if you are going to fake your relationship, you have to at least try. The girl, how would it have been so hard to be like, serve Heineken? It's a whole thing. She would have been like, hell yeah. Or but even if she'd gotten it herself and he's just like, oh, really funny thing about Heineken. Do you, and what I've told them. Do we think that that was part of Don's, the, the Heineken campaign, whether to do what Don wanted or to give into what the client wanted, the whole creative accounts? Like, do you think he knew they were having the party and so they... they did the, those chain of grocery stores because he knew Betty shopped there? Because that, to well, me... Betty certainly thinks so. Yeah, and I think that that's what's most important, but I think Duck thinks so, and then Betty thinks so. I think Betty's also talking about, like, everything else, and we can get into that in a minute, but, like, 
was Don, did Don plan that? Because it almost hurts me more that he didn't and then played it off. I don't know. It's bad either way. But what, was yeah. it in this show where it was like he took, oh yeah, with the tracing. He took credit for something he didn't do. Bobby, yeah. She's a liar. <laughs> yeah. Just like his dad. And that's yeah. why it bugged Betty. Yeah. Um, don't know why I'm sing talking. I'm sorry. I don't, yeah. They didn't, I don't think they gave us enough hint to show which. So, yeah, and I think either are valid. Both suck. And, like, I don't think it matters because even if he comes back and says, like, I didn't do that on purpose, she'd be like, I literally don't fucking care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah, not about the beer. I mean, it yeah. kind of is, but it's, it's not. The fact that it is to Don is part of it and that he didn't it didn't even occur occur to him at any point along the line to like clue betty in it's just so it's so very dawn it's just a hundred percent the sort of thing he would do and that makes it i think that was part of why it was such a breaking point for her i mean she was clearly already there yeah i'm just man i have jones's line reading I don't. You have it. You have the whole line here in the, the notes, Annie. But just, and then you laughed, and then you like just oh, it gets under your bones. Like that mm-hmm. whole line. It just. She was amazing. She's amazing. And we, I feel like we've seen that from the look that she gave when they all started laughing before. I feel like we've gotten hints of that, but to see it this time and to see her actually, call it out was so different and and startling to me in a way because we have seen her just play it off so many times before like oh this is just part of the thing I'm playing a a very important role I'm helping the family out because I'm helping my husband but now it's like she's seeing you know I'm just a tool in all of this I am literally nothing more than that to him and uh you know, so she tells him that she knows about Bobby, uh, Bobby Barrett. And somewhere along the line, she manages to say, how could you? She's so old. Oh, Betty's going to Betty. Betty's going to Betty. Some, you know, the programming is still there. Yeah. Before we, like, move into the Bobby thing fully, I just really, I really think that this Heineken thing would not have bothered Betty if she didn't know about the affair. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's one thing for, like, your husband to be kind of, um, kind of inconsiderate and, like, use you for, like, your own gain. Charity knows he does this a little bit. And it's another thing for him to do those things and also fully disrespect your marriage. Like, mm. she's like, okay, so not only am I kind of a joke to you, but, like, I literally am a fucking joke to you? Yeah, no, 100%. It's like... When she's talking with that that line, you embarrassed me. You knew I'd buy that beer, and then you laughed. You all laughed. Mm-hmm. It it's not about the beer. I mean, it is, but it's not. There's such a complete lack of loyalty in him mm-hmm. to Betty. We've seen him have that loyalty to the company for sure. Mm-hmm. He's been offered money. He's been quartered by by other agencies. He's been offered the world, huge names and campaigns, and odd stuff but it would have been so easy for him to show an ounce of loyalty to his wife and that he just keeps refusing to do that he's been so um unfaithful to her 
And that like on top of like appearing, trying to appear young and beautiful and perfect and somehow that still wasn't enough was just like a f another dagger. It's like, wait, you still went for a woman who I am brought objective, like Bobby Barrett's a beautiful woman, but someone that I am younger looking than and more perfect looking than. It's almost like that was as much of an insult as anything else for her. Well, yeah, because the like this 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 looking perfect is uh, how why men love you. So if like he doesn't love you and he's cheated on you, how is it possibly with someone who's not like living up to a higher standard of like that beauty thing, which is how you get a man in the first place? Mm hmm. If that's an yeah, if that's not enough, then what is if it's what she's dedicated her life to? That's what her value is placed in. Then what else is there? Mm -hmm. And then Don, fucking Don. He tries to, he, he keeps, he has the audacity to act upset with her when she's just like, I, I know about all of it. Jimmy told me, he's like, why would I, why, you can't trust Jimmy. Tell me exactly what he said. Tell me exactly what you, what you know. And she turns it around on him going, why? So you could twist my words. Cause she, he's done that to her so many times. Uh, she, she knows, knows this game thrilled oh it was such it was I mean, it's heartbreaking for her but so gratifying to to see betty have that moment well, we've kind of been waiting for it kind of since the end of season one right like since mm. before the time jump when don realizes he wants to come home and go to thanksgiving dinner with them and they're gone already right like after she finds out about the, the betrayal with the therapist, like we've been waiting for this. Kind of the pressure has been building. Yeah. And at the same time, even though I just call it gratifying, there's a, almost no satisfaction in it because it's just really sad. Yeah. <laughs> Probably all his, like, I would, you know, all his telling her that it didn't happen didn't help. And then he's, then she, um, she goes to look at check in on she goes to check on him when he's quote unquote asleep and he's just lying in bed with his eyes open pretending to be asleep like a little boy. Well, and that's it's totally like like as he's like denying the reality that she knows like he's lying like he's a, a, like like he's his son, right? Like like yeah, you know, like we talked about the tracing thing, but like the ways like just denying it not denying it denying it like looking for a way to twist it that's totally like a child like it's also like a child ass man which is kind of what don is but like it's totally little boy and it like reads little boy and it's just frustrating yeah this is like 17 year old first girlfriend behavior oh no i didn't yeah you did <laughs> dude yeah. the pics are on facebook i didn't do it Oh, what? He's Bobby Draper. It wasn't me. Ugh. And he really does kind of think that he got away with it at the end there, didn't he? He's so surprised when she's like, don't come home. I don't want you here. It's like he was hit by a bus. He's like, oh, this wasn't just like a you'd blow off steam over, over the course of the day thing. Because mm. she's pretty frost, frosty, rightfully so you know, at breakfast and she's still in the polka dot dress from, from last night that she wears all the next day. Mm -hmm. And like, 
she has the steps on the broken wine glass and when Sally comes in to see how her mom's doing if she's not feeling well in, in the bedroom and Don 100% expected it to blow over and it hasn't yeah I can't charm yourself out of this one Donnie boy um that moment when he's sleeping on the sofa and she's finally showered and she's all clean and everything and she tells him that you know this isn't how she wants things to be and he he seems to think you know okay she's chilled out she's gotten it out of her system even she found nothing she found no real proof it's fine and he tells her that he loves her and he loves the children and they're the most important things in the world to him and it's it should sound really good but it sounded so off and um, I think, Matt, you put this in here, some, something John Hamm said in an interview about how um, Don, quote, desperately wants this to work, and yet he's gen- genuinely unsure of if he really loves his wife. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm not one to necessarily argue with the actor and their motivations in portraying the scene, but that's what I'm going to do. Um, my read is I think, Don wants to love Betty when he's there, when it suits him. We, we've we talked about over the last season and a half, and I think this is based on things that, that, that Bert says, but like a man is, is present in like whatever room he's in, and we've talked about space and things like that. And I think that that's very much Don. Bobby Barrett said to him earlier this season that, oh yeah, I like being bad and going home and being good. Nailing Don at that point to a T. Um, so again, I don't want to necessarily argue with John Hamm, although I wouldn't be able to argue with him if I saw him because I would probably just clam up. But anyways, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But to me, torn, imp- the word like saying Don is torn implies a level of emotion- emotional maturity that I'm not sure Don currently has or maybe mm-hmm. not is capable of, right? He's upset and, you know, that that's obvious obviously but i think to be torn about the situation you have to like really think about it and internalize it um don either doesn't like to do that or is incapable of doing it don runs don moves forward so yeah i I don't think he's concerned or torn in the way that like do i or don't i love betty it's more like okay what do i do next I couldn't really tell, like, when Don was saying, like, she said, you don't look me in the eyes. He's like, yes, I do. She's like, you never say you love me. He's like, yes, I do. I'm like, Don, are you this delusional delusional about your own life that, like, you think these things are true when they're just so clearly not? Or do you really think you're going to be able to, like, talk her into believing this with you? And, like, I honestly can't tell. I mean, he's managed it before at work all the time, and it's worked on her as well. But she's never, I mean, she's increasingly so over time has pointed out the shit he's pulled, but she's never fully acknowledged an actual real affair, which for many is a full on deal breaker. And, you know, she's had France, she's seen Francine who um, had been cheated on by her husband Mm -hmm. and kept. And, you know, she kept him. It's uh, it's a big thing. It's a huge change in, in their relationship. Yeah. And then 
Like, I guess I don't know for sure. Oh, fun fact. I literally just learned that Uts is like a real brand. Oh, really? <laughs> um, somebody on a FaceTime was eating cheese balls and they were like, Uts is the best brand of cheese balls. And I was like, I'm sorry, who? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she sees the commercial and for whatever reason, seeing like this just grotesque man chomping on these chips is she's like no more men don <laughs> i'm done with Ugh. you do not come here yeah i mean he's someone who accepted the fact that his wife was having an affair mm-hmm. and has had affairs i mean it's just like it's like a double whammy double reminder right of like everything she's she's processing because not only is it jimmy being you know his gross shtick on the commercial and that's the one who you know informed her and put the pieces together fully about like the affair with Bobby Barrett and things like that but also whose company made the commercial mm-hmm. <laughs> right and it's like it, it's like that another realization of how how awful all these people are as she said last episode right all these men are yeah I can't imagine, like, like I don't know how often ad- ads were repeated back then, but imagine if the this huge reminder of your husband's, if you, ex- you know, took your husband back after he cheated on you, but then, like, every time you watch TV, because you're a housewife, you watch it, you have it on a fair amount, the constant reminder of this infidelity comes into your oh, home. Yeah repeatedly at some point you have to be like we can't do this anymore we're just we can't just keep pretending nothing happened it it was a strong moment for for betty draper wonder what will happen next don will sit and eat drink his sad heineken like i hope you enjoy that beer dumbass well and we, we've I, I just i love that because we've seen that tableau before but like at home whether it was like him in the bathroom or him in like in the kitchen as or the hallway as, as the camera kind of rolls back like that mm-hmm. but it's at the office and he has his imported dutch beer in his lonely ass hotel room well at least uh harry's not there anymore i mean maybe if harry was still sleeping at the office they could like be friends again he would have had time to read them scripts <laughs> right uh bits and bobs bits and bobs bits and bobs this isn't a big one is this the first time we've done an episode without any of the like focus categories on don i think so i think so all right something to note it was kind of refreshing. It was kind of refreshing not to have to see things through his perspective. Season two, episode eight. <laughs> things are shaking up. And on a similar note, we didn't get a lot of, of Pete this episode. He was in the episode, but we didn't get a lot of, uh, as Kiernan Shipka's friends called him, late, him in late season, season, season Madman, Vinny K. Um, <laughs> but Pete's face when he's in the yes. office and he finds out that that Duck's invited to this this party at the drapers with um roger and, and mona and crabs whatever crab crab and petra um that, that was some some great face acting from the petulant boy face yeah so, i yeah it was good we, we made it to it. the dinner party and i went yeah pete definitely wasn't invited <laughs> i laughed because while they were in that meeting in don's office someone said for pete's sake 
a um, couple other things here in, in the bits and bobs. Um, mentioned it before, but did want to call out that this episode was co-written by a woman, by Robin Vyth, of later helped in the early seasons of The Expanse and do on several other shows. And it was also directed by a woman as well. And I'm definitely noticing a trend for those one for the episodes that I think really highlight the women on the series and not even just highlight them, but but give them that kind of like interior life, interior life and, and sense of lived in realness. It is those episodes. So I always, I don't definitely want to call that out. And I am I'm not entirely sure if that what we discussed earlier with um the the pressure and kind of the friction burns or friction marks of of Jones Brazier from being as 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 tight or whatnot as as it was if that's something that if it was solely either written by a man or directed by a man would necessarily have been in there I mean mm-hmm. maybe I mean I still like Suspiria that was written by men and directed by men but uh, yeah I don't. I don't know if it would have been. My gut wants to say no. And then I just want to do one final call out to Father Gill and his very, <laughs> well, I guess, monastic looking um, dormitory room. And then how he just whips out that guitar and plays Early in the Morning, which is a folk song by Peter, Paul and Mary. I love it about the song and it's used here and it starts with Gill singing it and then blends into the actual recording. And again, there's can't quite i think we've done a really good job at starting to kind of like peel back the layers of father gill but it was both really entertaining and prescient and i just like when madman episodes end that way with the song that starts and then plays over the credits and we get our tableaus and everything else so mm-hmm. that's madman at its best to me or part of what it is at its best so yeah he sounded great by the way he did he did i feel bad for whoever has to sleep next door to him though <laughs> That right? I could that I was not ready for that scene. I just <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> well, I think we did it. I think so too. We've got a uh, episode nine coming up. We're nearing the end of the season. That's kind of awesome. We're getting yeah, there. It is exciting. <laughs> In the meantime, Annie, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Ah, oh, well, funny you should ask. I happen to have another podcast called The Daily Nightly, spelled with a K. Uh, we are talking Jane Austen books. Right now we're in the middle of Pride and Prejudice, like most people's favorites, and I've got a lot of feelings about it. So if you want to check that out, please join us. Uh, I can also be found on the interwebs uh, at Pop Artery on Instagram and uh, Twitter, which neither of which I really update that much. So sorry. <laughs> Melissa. I am on Twitter at Mellow Yellow, which is M E double L double O Yellow. Um, I have another podcast called Wild Pretty Things. Our most recent episodes, no, just one. Um, our most recent episode is on the Netflix original Unorthodox, so you can check that out if you're interested. Mm. Um, Matt. 
Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can follow all three of us together on Twitter as well at, at StillGreatPod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email the show and tell us if whether 50 Cent was in the movie Righteous Kill or not at, at StillGreatBob at gmail.com. Until next time. Until next time. Later days. He played Colin, this professor that had an affair with Serena, and then you find out that he is the one that is funding Juliet, who is working on a Serena takedown. Anyway.